The following episode today will focus on a controversial and hot-button topic among many, the role of women in ministry. I have had women reach out to me about this topic, wanting me to share some thoughts. This episode today will broach this important subject, providing clips from well-known women who not only preach but hold the title of pastor themselves. Names will be mentioned today, some who may be held in high esteem by some who are listening, so just be prepared, and I hope that you'll hang tight with me until the end, and that you'll consider not what I think on this matter or what my personal opinion is, but what Scripture has to say on the matter, which is what the Holy Spirit, who carried men along to write Scripture, has to say. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. In April of 2019, Beth Moore posted a tweet on her Twitter account uh, asking people what the five things that you do if you still could do what you do but had the margin to pursue other stuff just for fun. She proceeded to list five things that she would do herself. She then followed it up with another tweet stating, Y'all, I love your lists. I may not get a thing done this morning for reading these. P.S. My original number five was teaching a men's Sunday school class at a church full of Calvinists just to get everybody going, but I deleted it. Reluctantly, I'm in a tad of a mischievous mood. And it would seem that the mischievous mood would continue on because there were other women that were proceeding to tweet back to her and they were saying the same thing. They were saying, oh, I'm actually preaching on three Sundays on Mother's Day from the pulpit. And she proceeded to respond back to one particular lady saying, I am as well, but don't tell anybody. She then went on to state in May of 2019, I need you to at least get the right ratio in your head here. I have brought a message from a pulpit in an SBC church service about 15 times in 40 years. If your track record of obedience tops that, more power to you. In April of 2021, Beth Moore had this to say on her Twitter account regarding complementarianism. Let me be blunt. When you functionally treat complementarianism, a doctrine of man, As if it belongs among the matters of first importance, yea, as a litmus test for where one stands on inerrancy and authority of Scripture, you are the ones who have misused Scripture. You went too far. She went on to say, I beg your forgiveness where I was complicit. I could not see it for what it was until 2016. I plead your forgiveness for how I just submitted to it and supported it and taught it. I trusted that the motives were godly. I have not lost my mind, nor my doctrine, just my naivety. And dudes, do not DM me. Spend your energy tending to your house. She has also made the argument that this has taken on the element of a first-tier doctrine and that it's caused massive division. And she is now, I guess, identifying herself as an egalitarian versus a complementarian, which this is not the focus or the scope of this episode today to talk about those differences. I would encourage you to actually... Um, do some studying on that or listening to other uh, Bible teachers that are reputable that have talked about that so you can learn about the different areas of that. But this is an area of high contention for different reasons. I mean, there's cultural reasons, uh, obviously cultural slash social reasons. There's the push in our society as well to have women doing whatever men do. Now, I don't know about you, but when I grew up as a, as a little girl, you know, one of the things that we always said is that anything a boy can do, a girl can do better. You know, just these different euphemisms that are stated. So there has been this push for women to, um, to have more abilities than men. And it's not any different than in the, the scope of the church, of the church gathering. And there are people that believe that women should be allowed to be pastors, uh, calling even some women apostles that women should be allowed to preach to mixed crowds to men and women. I think it's interesting to look at this now, and I wanted to share some personal aspects on this, share some clips today with you all to consider, and to also, most importantly, to share scripture with you. Now, I want to read something that's more substantial to you than just some tweets for personal and 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 um, personal thoughts from someone, personal opinion. I want to read 1 Timothy 2, and I'm going to read all of chapter 2, and I'm going to read into chapter 3 through verses 13. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling, likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Adam was formed first, then Eve." And Eve was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil." Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I wanted to read that and I, and I want to ask a sincere question to you ladies. A genuine, sincere question. This is a question I have had to ask myself. Actually, there's two questions. <laughs> Forgive me for that. The first question is this. When was the last time you read this passage? And then the second question is, if you believe women can be pastors and preach to men and women in the corporate gathering, have you considered studying and listening to the view not in agreement with your own? Let me say, you do not need to be a woman to hold a view on this particular topic. And that can be a... Uh, temptation, if you will, or it can be a, a prerequisite that even some women will say, well, a man can't speak into this because a, whim, a woman should be able to speak into this. But I want you to note something. If you hold scripture to a high standard in your life as a believer in Christ, which you should, then you will take note of who God used to write scripture. It was men. You're not going to find one book in the Bible that a woman wrote. Having said that, as a woman, who once held to the belief that women could preach to mixed crowds, and who never second-guessed fellow women in the church being called pastor and having authority over men, I wanted to discuss this today because I remember this was an area of contention for me, especially when I was on social media, when I came out of the New Apostolic Reformation, hyper-charismatic. And again, this is not isolated to that type of movement, but I'm just sharing from this perspective. Coming out of that arena, and I remember seeing things on social media, on YouTube, that videos would, would pop up. And it was one of those areas that I thought, oh, I can't watch that right now because I just don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to be challenged on that. I, I distinctly remember that. And I would bypass those videos or scroll by them or scroll by somebody's post. I didn't want to engage in it because it was one of those things I didn't want to call into question. I didn't want to know. And finally, I had to re I realized when I was calling everything, all the other things into question, when I was calling other things to the carpet and calling them back to scripture to see if they passed the test of being truthful and measuring up to, to, to scripture in context, this was one of those areas I finally had to relinquish hold of. It was almost as if I didn't want to know because of fear that I could be wrong. Not only wrong, but that I had been sinful in, and rebellious in my own actions because 
there were a handful of times through my years that I was allowed to get up and to minister on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings to mixed crowds, to the mixed congregation, men and women, and to teach and to have authority, not as a pastor, but as a woman that was allowed to preach and teach the word to men and women. And let me encourage you in this. As a Christian woman, we should welcome the challenge and correction from God's word because God disciplines his, his children and he disciplines us for a reason. No matter what the subject is, whether it's this subject or something else that maybe you're hesitant to even look at it because in fear that you might be challenged on what you once thought, but looking at scripture in context to see what it really says, we should be willing to do that because if we desire the truth, then we need to do that. We, and we need to know why we believe what we believe and make sure that scripture agrees with that. So I want having, so with that said, I want to play several clips for you. Now, I know that there are some people that I've looked at some videos, and I'm going to play a few little clips today, too, of a couple of women that you may or may not be familiar with that are good Bible teachers. And you may be thrown when I say that, Bible teachers, I thought you were just saying that women can't be Bible teachers or they can't teach other people. And maybe you don't have a clue about that, but we're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to share some resources with you of a couple of women that I would highly suggest that you go and check out their site, check out their information, their resources. And I think that they'll be helpful to you. But first, we're going to start with some that you may know the names of. Now, I'm not going to play clips from Beth Moore, uh, from Priscilla Shire, Christine Kane, Joyce Meyer. There are several that are big names. People recognize them right off the bat. And some of these other ones, some people are going to recognize them right off the bat. But I wanted to stick more to the the arena that I was in and play some of those. So any of those names that I mentioned today, these are definitely women that you need to be aware of what's going on, what type of titles they hold, and consider what does Scripture have to say about this? And are they in rebellion against God's Word, or are they um, are they obeying God's Word? That's the consider. I'm not going to make any any ac- accusations against anybody today. I want you, as a good Berean, to open your Bible, and I want you to test what this this woman is saying, where she's saying it, if it's even biblical, what she's saying, if there's a lot of hype and emotion in it, is it edifying as far as um, as a believer in Christ? Is it pointing you back to the Word of God? Is there a little bit of truth mixed with a lot of error? Is this individual doing what they're supposed to be doing in accordance with scripture? These are things you need to be doing as a believer in Christ. So with that, we're going to get started. The very first clip I want to play for you comes from a woman who calls herself Apostle Catherine Crick. She has started a church in California. It's called 5F Church, which is the talking about the fivefold ministry. And like I said, she claims to be not only the apostle, but the pastor over this church. This is an open air meeting I think she's doing at another area where she was ministering. This was posted a week ago on YouTube. So I want to play a little bit of this. This is about 59 minutes into what was going on. And uh, there was very little of the word being ministered. A lot of it was her personal testimony and her personal experience and uh, personal stories, personal accounts very personal. So let's listen a little bit to see what she has to say about following the Holy Spirit. And in this revival, we follow the Holy Spirit with um, new new ways that he wants to move. Like, I remember when uh, I first started to minister, when God called me to minister, um, I didn't want to minister. I didn't know how to preach. I felt like I wasn't a good preacher. I felt like I didn't know how to preach. This was a little more than five years ago now. And so I started, but I just did it in obedience. So I started preaching, and it was just preaching at first. It was not, like, praying for anybody, you know. And then, and then like, a year or so later, God led me after receiving an invitation. You need to start praying for people. You need to start laying hands on people. And I was so uncomfortable to do that. And, 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 and I knew that prophetic anointing would be working through me, but I hadn't seen any evidence of it yet. And I wasn't seeing any, like, visions or anything. I just looked at people, and I would just, I don't feel anything. I don't hear anything, you know? And so I didn't really want to do that. I didn't really want to go and pray for people. 
but God was asking me to. So I followed him, and one day I started to pray for a person, and that day words started to come out of me. Yes. <laughs> that just they just started to flow. That were touching her. That were prophetic words, and she's just weeping and weeping and weeping. And then I prayed for another person, and the same things happening. The same things happening. And I remember for every week for about two years after that, I would do that, especially when there was new people who would come, maybe sometimes just one person. But it kept feeling so uncomfortable. Every time I was like, I don't really want to do this, but Holy Spirit was leading me to. And then God would touch a person again and again, and they would be tearing up, and you could see God was touching them. But I had to be so sensitive like to listen to him. And, and follow his voice and pray for his people how he wanted me to pray for them despite my feeling uncomfortable and me not really wanting to do that. Amen? Amen. And then, um, about a year and a half ago on March 21st, 2021, demons trembled in a woman for the first time in the park. Just 20 or so of us there. And this was something completely different holy spirit moved in a whole new way that i wasn't expecting there's prophecies over my life that god would do many miracles through me but it wasn't like i don't know why i just well i think i know why because i haven't seen a lot of deliverance you know in the past revivals but i just wasn't picturing deliverance that much i wasn't picturing like myself casting out demons i don't think i ever really visualized it too much um but that day a demon started to tremble in this woman and so I had to follow the Holy Spirit, even though there were uh, like 45, 50 people of the world having a party 10 feet behind us. <laughs> I had to go and command that demon to go, because that's what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. Yes. And so I did that, and Jesus set her free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then that led to this revival breaking out where uh, just... Less than two months later, 300 people came to, to revival in the park. And then ever since that day, a year and a half later, hundreds have came every, come every single week, traveling from different states. And now countries, like every single week now. And so when everything shifted after then, Holy Spirit, like I was ministering in a certain way, like the same way. Like, like there would be 10, uh, like two to 20 people, depending on the day. And Holy Spirit would lead me after preaching to just like, to calmly just like point to someone there and say some sort of prayer for them, prophetic word. Like God is removing the darkness. God is removing the depression, something like that. So I'll stop right there. And I wanted to mention too, if I'm not mistaken, when she mentions about the 300 showing up at her service, you won't find it now because um, the video has been allegedly removed, but other people have shared clips of it. Um, Isaiah Saldivar had her on his uh, YouTube channel, and he removed the video because there's some a lot of controversy that's, that, that um, is around Catherine and some of the things, her history, her past, and, and other things uh, uh, tied to her call to be an apostle. But at any rate, um, she makes a comment on that video that he told people to go out and she um, attributes the people showing up to him, encouraging people because he has a massive following. So just I just wanted to throw that out there because some people will make these accounts, whether man or woman, they will say these things almost as if, oh, it's God doing this. But behind the scenes, if you know what's going on, a lot of times this is because you ha you have affiliations with other people, you're networking. And because you're affiliating yourself with someone who has um, a large following, that that could help you and it can and it grows your ministry. And I, and I understand that people probably don't like hearing that, but that's the truth. People network in these ministry areas because they want to grow their platform. The second I want to share with you um, is a lady that some of you may recognize the voice. Her name is Real Talk Kim, and she was recently, about two weeks ago, sharing at a church where she um, titles herself as the lead pastor. She was sharing on a series she started uh, ministering on Sundays called Selfie. When we think of selfie, what do we think about? Huh? Yourself. And when you start thinking about yourself, what happens? Come on, let's talk, talk, talk to me. We're having coffee. What happens when you get so caught up in yourself? What happens? Confusion, what else? Doubt, worry, insecurity, right? When we start thinking too much about ourselves, we can't hear the voice of God, right? 
Come on, just start thinking about what's wrong in your life. Anybody ever done that? Think about what's wrong in your life. Ain't it crazy how on Sunday everything goes wrong? Is it just me? Everybody, Sundays, you done yelled at your spouse all the way to church. You walk in and the health minister said, how you doing? You're like, blessed and highly favored. Got the whole thing going. You ain't blessed or highly favored this morning. You want to choke your spouse. You want to choke Jesse, your child. Because the enemy is trying to set you up to not receive the blessing that God has in your life. Today, I'm naming this one, no filter. Now, some of y'all need a filter. You need a filter with your mouth. Not a filter on the outside. We're so busy putting filters on the outside, but we don't put a filter on our mouth. And a lot of your life looks the way it looks. How come? How come does your life look the way it looks? Huh? Because your words. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of your words. Actually, not to be nitpicky, but Proverbs 18 says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and it has nothing to do with you speaking something into existence. I've talked about that before, but just want to interject a little bit. My words, I'm here as your pastor, online, as your pastor, inner circle, as your pastor, to equip you to be able to fight the war that is coming at you. Kim calls herself a pastor. She's a pastor at this church, I believe in Georgia, and it's a limitless church, so I wanted to share that with you. The next few clips I'm going to play for you are the same woman, and there are people that probably know exactly who this is, are very familiar with this with this lady. She's been around for a long time, but it's Juanita Bynum. First clip I'm going to play is an old video. I found this a long time ago. I don't know where she was that she was uh, ministering this because there were things in the background that uh, almost like billboards or signs up on the the uh, stage that talked about soy candles and things, but it was set up. These, these people had Bibles in their hands, and there were men and women in attendance in this. But this is one short clip from there, and I wanted to share this with you, and then I'll have a couple more from her, and then one more after that from another lady, and then we're going to move back into the Word of God. See, this next level of anointing, you got to be able to slit somebody's throat and keep on walking like you ain't saying nothing. You don't get hyper. You just kill them. By the way, there are men sitting on the front row. I know you can't see this video, but there are men sitting in the front row, and some of them are jumping up and shouting and, and agreeing with her. It's, again, not just women that are here, but there's men as well that she's telling this to. You don't raise your voice because that's a sign you nervous. You ever watch The Sopranos? They don't scream. They kiss you on both sides of your cheek and slit your throat. Say, hey, how you mm-hmm. Walk away and say, kill him. It's a silent murder. All right. So now the next clip is from uh, another area, another service from Juanita Bynum at a Kojic service, the Church of God in Christ service. And so let's listen to a few clips from this service where she again taught men and women. Can't be nobody but myself. Some of y'all too arrogant to know it. Some of y'all too important in your unimportant self to know it. But when you're really in the presence of the Lord and you're really who you say God called you to be, you would be the first one that's broken before the Lord. You wouldn't be sitting up there all important with your phone. Oh, God, come on, somebody. That was one part during the service. Here is a little bit later in the service when she is going into that full preach mode, I guess, that a lot of people would refer to. Okay. The the enemy says, since I can't fight, what y'all doing? Let me... Let me help y'all build it. Can I, can, I, can I just stay right there for a minute? He says, since, since I can't do nothing about the fact, watch this, that the Lord is with y'all. Because first of all, I got to come on down here because I done been all over the world. I done preached in front of 750,000 people, so I'm not scared of nobody in here. And you can mean mug me all you want to today, but I'm coming. I'm coming straight down the aisle. He said, the enemy said, let us help you build. Let us, let us, let us help you build since we cannot stop what you are doing because this is the plan and the will of God. 
He said, let us help you. And they said, no, you can't help us. But see, something that happened in this day and time. We done let the enemy help us build. I'm not hearing y'all. And so now we got strange fire in the church instead of the Holy Ghost. Half of y'all in here ain't even got the real Holy Ghost. I know you don't because the Holy Ghost will tell you that you too naked. The Holy Ghost will tell you, brothers, that your pants and them little bitty suits that you wear is too tight and you showing all of your private parts. Y'all don't want me to preach today, but it is the truth. There is a mixture that is in the kingdom now. And I come to tell you that God is coming back to purify the foundation. That's interesting. Okay. So I'm just going to leave it right there <laughs> because there's just different things that are mentioned there that we could spend a whole other episode talking about that and some of the things that she's saying. But at any rate, um, the last one I want to play for you here as far as um, any other women that uh, examples that we could find, there is a lady I'm not super familiar with, but her name is Maddie Nottage. Let's see what Maddie is saying to her congregation, who she also not is not only a prophetess, but she is also a co-pastor of. Let's see what she has to say to her congregation as a pastor. When you learn the ways of God and you learn to walk in love, then you also learn to love them that have the rule over you. You learn to respect and you learn to appreciate the prophets. The apostles, you learn to appreciate the past. You don't, you don't, you don't despise your deliverer, the one who holding the keys. Well, I thought Jesus was holding the keys. Oh yes, he is. But the last time I checked, he needed to use a man or a woman. Because I know you wanna be that woman or that man, but you ain't reached yet. So until you reach, I got next. So that gives you a little bit of taste of what could be out there. And this could be more extreme cases. But at any rate, there are women who do hold, again, the uh, leadership position in churches that they state their apostles, their pastors, or co-pastors, and they will um, exert authority over men and women and stand in a teaching position. And they do not um, believe that uh, women should not be pastors or not apostles and and not have a a leadership position such as that. And they may not, honestly, they may not even know what scripture says, or they may not care. I mean, it could be one of the two. They they may uh, say, well, I love God, but I want to do this because I feel like God's called me or I, God told me to do this. And the question is, what does scripture have to say about this? Now, a few minutes ago, I took time to read to you a good chunk in 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy talks about this very matter. This is not the only place in Scripture that uh, Paul addressed this uh, and the Holy Spirit used Paul to address this. Let's make that even more clear because this is Scripture we're talking about. This This is the Word of God that has been divinely inspired by the third person of the Trinity who is the Holy Spirit. And so when we read this in context, and I read 1 Timothy 3 in context too, because when you listen to some of the women that have blogs and podcasts that they are trying to sound the alarm on some of these areas of concern as far as women's ministry and not getting into emotionalism or sensationalism and into your feelings and saying, you know, what does this, what does this passage mean to you? Um, whereas saying, well, what does it actually mean? You know, there's different areas of women's ministry that can cause, that can be of great concern. And one of the areas that is of concern is that there are women that are sitting in these positions that they are openly rebelling against God, even though they say they love God, but they're in open rebellion against God and defying the very word of God and the very order that God has established from the very beginning, by the way, because we see this in First Timothy 2. There's a reason why God has placed man in these positions as we see. Uh, you know, we see time and time again in the Old and the New Testament, and some people will use certain women, Deborah and um, Jael and other women in Scripture, and to say, well, see, they served in different uh, positions, in uh, governmental positions, or they had certain leadership positions, but you don't see that as a permanent position. It was a temporary thing. And again, I would encourage you to look out. I'm going to share some of the links, the full links to some of these 
these good teachings that you can listen to and get in the Bible and and consider these things. Consider them, study them, and be willing to test what you believe and make sure that Scripture agrees with it. Don't try to get Scripture to agree with what you believe and what your opinion is. You have to be willing to look at what Scripture says and not just what someone else is telling you that it says or saying, well, this is the context of it. And there were loud women then. And so that's only for that time. But then this is for today. You know, the example could be used if people are trying to tell you that, well, that's just for them. Paul was just addressing just the church in Ephesus at that time. So that's not for all churches. Uh, by the way, I will look at 1 Corinthians 14 in just a minute just to kind of help verify that. But also, too, here's just a quick example to use and to consider. If people want to say that First Timothy 12 is not for today, that it was Paul addressing issues with women there that were being loud and being um, rude or they were interrupting the service. So that doesn't apply today. And it was only for that church. Well, let me ask you this. Do, uh, for people that hold to tongues, for example, and I know I talk a lot about tongues, but this is such a big thing in the movement I was part of. Um, is that just for then or was that for today? So if you're going to make that type of argument, then you have to be willing to um, extend that same uh, grace, if you will, or that, st that same argument to other points in there. And you can't just choose and pick and choose which ones you want to say, well, that's just for that time. It's not for today. The, all the word of God is for today. And so we have to be okay with this and, and be willing to do what, what God's word says to do and not just do what we think is right or what, what culture says is right and what identifies with culture and is the easiest. Um, a couple of things I wanted to share for 1 Timothy 2.12, uh, for example, just to start with that verse. Um, on BibleRef.com, I'm going to look at this and then um, another article on GotQuestions.org, and then I want to read a little bit in my, uh, in my, my ESV study Bible. But when I looked up what does 1 Timothy 2.12 mean, um, they have it listed on their website and they say this. Verse 11 presented what at first appears to be a controversial statement. Viewed in full context, however, Paul has simply stated that women should, should not be flagrant or excessively loud or frenzied during a church gathering. Just as clothing should reflect a controlled, reasonable person, so too should behavior in a church service reflect godly peace. How then is this phrase regarding women and teaching to be understood? In the local church, Paul specified men as elders, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and most likely as deacons, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, which it does when you, if you paid attention to what I was reading earlier, um, Paul does say in verse 11, their wives, this is about the deacons, their wives likewise must be dignified. Not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. So we see here, along with the overseers, or the pastors, the elders, they are to be the husband of one wife. We do not ever see any women pastors in... Um, I want you to consider something here. Do you ever recall seeing a woman as a pastor in the Scripture, in the New Testament church? I want you to think about that, uh, that you see that's, that's serving actively in a leadership position in authority over men. I want you to think about that. The point, as they go on in BibleRef.com, they say, The point made in the New Testament is not that adult women can never teach adult men, as both Priscilla and her husband Aquila did exactly that with Apollos in, eight, in Acts 18.26. Phoebe also served in some type of church leadership role, with some believing her role of servant was as a deacon. Uh, she's referenced in Romans 16.1. However, men are consistently specified as the primary local church leaders in the role of elders. And they go on to talk about in 1 Timothy 2.12 that the Greek word used um, or translated as exercising authority is used in this verse. And that word means to assume a stance of independent authority, give orders to or dictate to. In simple terms, women are not to serve in the role of elder or attempt to lead in the specific ways in which elders are expected to lead. Though women were not and are not excluded from praying in church gatherings, men were taught to take leadership in this area. And they say the repeated reference to quietness here again has more to do with self-control than with absolute lack of sound. Women were not to overtake a worship service by taking control of public prayers or teaching, and especially not through hysterics or commotion. Elders were expected to oversee instruction and prayer in the church. 
1 Corinthians 14, 33-35 notes that this practice was not limited to Ephesus. It was true in all early churches. And I want to turn there for just a minute. So 1 Corinthians actually helps us to see that some of the stipulations, the, the understanding that was set down for women to follow and as far the order was also recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 33-35. Um, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it is reached? And then Paul goes on to say, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. And this is in the chapter of 1 Corinthians 14 that's talking about the proper order of tongues and prophecy. And so I wanted to read another, I think this is a good way to segue into this article on gotquestions.org when it talks about um, what does the Bible say about women pastors. So we do know that this is hotly debated. I mean, that's a no-brainer on that. When Paul wrote this, he restricts women from serving in roles of teaching and or having spiritual authority over men. This is what they're writing on gotquestions.org for this question. This precludes women from serving as pastors over men, which definitely includes preaching to them, teaching them publicly, and exercising authority over them. And then they go on to say there are many objections to this view of women in pastoral ministry. A common one is that Paul restricts women from teaching because in the first century, women were typically uneducated. However, in this passage in 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14, nowhere mentions educational status. If education were a qualification for ministry, then the majority of Jesus' disciples would not have been qualified. A second common objection is that Paul only restricted the women of Ephesus from teaching men. And um, 1 Timothy was written to Timothy, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was known for its temple to Artemis, and women were the authorities in that branch of paganism. Therefore, the theory goes Paul was only reacting against the female-led customs of the Ephesian idolaters, and the church needed to be different. However, the book of 1 Timothy nowhere mentions Artemis, nor does Paul mention the standard practice of Artemis worshipers as a reason for restrictions in 1 Timothy 2, 11-12. Another objection is that Paul is only referring to husbands and wives, not men and women in general. The Greek words for woman and man in 1 Timothy 2 could refer to husbands and wives. However, the basic meaning of the words is broader than that. And they go on to say the same Greek words are used in verses 8 through 10. Are only husbands to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger and disputing? Are only wives to dress modestly, having good deeds and worship God? The answer is no, of course not. All men and women are supposed to act accordingly to what Scripture says. So verses 8 through 10 clearly refer to all men and women, not just husbands and wives. And there is nothing in the context that would indicate a narrowing to husbands and wives in verses 11 through 14. And then another objection to, the, to an interpretation of women not being pastors is in relation to women who held positions of leadership in the Bible. And I mentioned this a minute ago, I alluded to it, to Miriam, Deborah, even Huldah in the Old Testament. And it is true that these women were chosen by God for a special service to him and that they stand as models of faith, courage, and even leadership. However, the authority of women in the Old Testament is not relevant to the issue of pastors in the church. And if you'll look at those instances, that was temporary. And it was also even viewed upon uh, as God's judgment. For example, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, it says, For the look on their faces bears witness against them. This is talking about the judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked. It shall be ill for them, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. My people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, your gods mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. So we see that this could be demonstrating that even in the Old Testament, when we see that women took those uh, temporary uh, positions of leadership that it was showing that men were not willing to step up and do Barack was not willing to step up and do what he was supposed to do as as a leader as a man and so that's why Deborah had to step in and to be a judge and we know that and when you read the book of judges it's a mess I mean the people there were doing what they thought was right in their own eyes 
it was it was a horribly sinful time, yet just like any other time that we see, we think that this is the most horribly sinful time, but there are many sinful times because the world, we're, we're still seeing sin run rampant um, until Christ returns. But we can see that this is mentioned here. And so these are temporary positions that these women held. We do not see it equivocal to um, to positions, leadership positions in the New Testament that are t- are permanent. The authority of women in the Old Testament, this uh, answer goes on to say on God Questions, is not relevant to the issue of pastors in the church. The New Testament epistles present a new paradigm for God's people, the church, the body of Christ, and that paradigm involves an authority structure unique to the church, not for the nation of Israel or any other Old Tes- Testament entity. And they go on. I'm not going to read all of this, um, but I did want to read this too. When there's a reference of First Timothy two fourteen, when it talks about the fact that there is an order in the church, and the reason why is because Eve was deceived, Adam was not deceived, the woman was deceived, and became a transgressor. And so there is an order here. And the reason for women not serving as pastors or having spiritual authority over men is this very reason. This does not mean that women are gullible or that they are all more easily deceived than men. If all women are more easily deceived, why would they be allowed to teach children? Because So we're allowed to, as women, you may be saying, well, what are we allowed to do then um, if we can't you know, exercise authority over men and be pastors and apostles and do these things that we want to do because we feel like we've been called to preach and teach? Well, we can still instruct Women, we can uh, disciple other women, godly women, older women are told to to, um, disciple younger women in how they are to serve in their home and to raise their children. We can see this in Titus chapter 2, verse 3. Paul tells Titus, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So we can see here that we are not um, limited from teaching children. We're not um, prohibited from teaching other women, but we are not. It, it, when we read the scripture, it does not show us that we can have authority over men as far as teaching and preaching in a public congregation. And so there's an order. And, and this order, by the way, was not established by Paul. This order was established by God in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. And they do make it clear here that this text simply says that women are not to teach men or have spiritual authority over men because Eve was deceived. God has chosen to give men the primary teaching authority in the church. And I would even go so far to say, and you're going to hear, you'll hear men and you'll hear pastors say this, and you'll hear um, good, solid Bible teaching women that are discipling other women tell you this, is that not all men are called to pastor. That doesn't mean that every man alive is called to pastor. There are prerequisites. There are stipulations and guidelines put on them. We see this in Timothy. We see this in Titus, that there are stipulations put on men that are serving in these leadership positions because God takes this seriously. He wants someone who is godly and is going to act accordingly and, and, and glorify him in all that they do and to point back to him. So there are guidelines for that, but God has established order for a reason. This is good. Ladies, this this puts this protects us. I mean, we should look at this as a blessing because it protects us and it keeps us um, in a place where we, if we're submitted to what the word of God says and we're submitted to God himself, first and foremost, submitted to his word, we are willing to submit to that. Then we are also demonstrating that to whom we belong. I would just throw that out for consideration. There are, you know, many women that excel in gifts that that have gifts of um, hospitality that they can teach and they evangelize and a lot and helping and serving. My goodness, I mean, uh, sometimes the things are so diminished when say, oh, well, you know, they're just cleaning the bathrooms or they're just taking up the place. Listen, anything that we do, men, male or female, what, whether men do or what we do as women. We are to do it unto the Lord, and it's ministry. I mean, you don't even think about that you might be talking to someone that may just need to hear, just have a conversation with somebody. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe they need to have a conversation with someone. That's ministry. 
because you're having compassion for that person and you're taking time out to listen to them. You may get to pray with them. They may be a fellow believer. You may get to encourage them, edify them in the word, or they may just need someone just to sit and listen to them and just have someone talk with them for a little bit. That's ministry. We want to do everything in word and deed unto the Lord and do it with excellence and, and not grumble about it because it doesn't involve holding a microphone for heaven's sake. Um, <laughs> sorry, but you know, I, I think that it's, it's something that ministry is, gl- is glamified. I don't think that's even a word, but it's glamified to make it to where if you're not seen, then you're not doing anything significant. And we have lied to people and told them, if you don't have a substantial platform to stand on, or you don't have a microphone, or you don't have a massive following, you're really not doing anything substantial. Substantial. How deceptive is that to tell people if people can't see you and you can't be heard and you don't have a lot of money or you don't have a lot of clout or you don't have a lot of books that you've written or you don't have all this following and you don't have all this stuff to back you up and to make you look special and important or you haven't built anything. I don't know how many times I heard that too. If you haven't built something, then that's almost equated to that's what makes you significant in the kingdom of God. That's not what makes you significant. It's who makes you significant in the kingdom of God, and that is Jesus Christ. When the true gospel is being ministered, and when a true believer in Christ is understanding who is to be exalted, it's not you, and it's not me. It's Jesus. That's who's to be exalted, and that's who's to be um, obeyed. And we don't obey to receive salvation. We've been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And we show that we belong to him because we obey. We obey what his word says to do. So I know that's going to, it probably is going to be a sticking, it's going to be very difficult for people. And there may be even some people say, I'm just done listening to you. And that's okay. God bless you. It's all right. I hope that you'll hang again, hang with me until the end of this. So in closing in this article on Got Questions, they say God has ordained that only men are to serve in positions of spiritual teaching authority in the church. This is not because men are necessarily better teachers or because women are inferior or less intelligent. It is simply the way God designed for church to function. Men are to set the examples in spiritual leadership in their lives and through their words. Women are to take a less authoritative role. Women are encouraged to teach other women. Again, this is in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. The Bible also does not restrict women from teaching children. The only activity women are restricted from is teaching or having spiritual authority over men. This precludes women from serving as pastors to men. This does not make women less important by any means, but rather gives them a ministry focus more in agreement with God's plan and his gifting of them. All right, and I said I was going to read from my ESV study Bible, but they say they reiterate a lot of what I just read, so I'm not going to read that for time's sake. I did want to share a few clips with you, though, from some, um, uh, and I'll share the links again to these in this description of the podcast today, of the episode today, but I wanted to share this, uh, two of these clips with you from um, Doreen Virtue's channel. She had interviewed a couple years ago a couple of different ladies. One lady, her name is Susan Heck. She is a uh, women's Bible teacher. She ministers, and she also has Bible studies. I've been wanting to check out her Bible studies for a while now, um, but Anyway, she talked with Doreen about women's Bible studies, and the question was, why are women's Bible studies filled with false teachers? And I wanted to share a little clip from this when Doreen asked her a specific question about this topic. For those who are watching, could you talk about discernment of women's Bible teachers, please? Yes, I would love to. It is a common problem, Doreen, and I I grieve when I go around and speak at different conferences and retreats, and the women really that love the Lord, they want to know His Word, but they're not being fed sound doctrine, and so I'm always skeptical and and leery about churches that are feeding their women, Beth Moore, Priscilla Schreier, even some that were once very good, but now they've kind of fallen off the deep end, and you have to really continue to watch all the time. And so uh, I think the issue is that a lot of those Bible teachers, they appeal to women's emotions and feelings. And uh, I always steer away from how does this make you feel? It doesn't really matter how it makes me feel. What matters is this is what God says. And I need to obey because with with obedience comes blessing. And so, and I don't mean a, a material blessing, but just a blessing from the Lord. And so I, I get very concerned and, and I, I 
I really believe that women need to get back to learning how to properly interpret the Bible, uh, not does what, what does the Bible mean to me, but what did it mean to the original audience and you know the historical context and do inductive Bible study, the who, what, when, where, how, why, and then bridge that over to, okay, what principles can I glean for my life from this, from this passage or this book? And so I'm very uh, concerned about what I'm seeing and I, I'm concerned about the shepherd of the day, to be quite honest. And, you know, uh, there's many warnings to the shepherds, the false shepherds who are not feeding their sheep. And I, I believe that if a shepherd is not overseeing the women's ministry and feeding those women good material, good doctrine, I would be very skeptical really about staying in a church like that. The second clip I want to share with you was from another interview that Doreen did with Michelle Leslie a few years ago. So I wanted to play a little bit of that when she addresses this similar topic about women's ministry. When we say someone is a false teacher, we're not talking about someone who has a uh, biblically acceptable difference of interpretation that is like a secondary belief. Yes, like a like a secondary belief. Like we wouldn't. I'm Southern Baptist. I would not call Presbyterians false teachers because they have a different view of baptism than I do. Um, so that's, that's not the kind of thing that we're talking about. We're talking about people who twist God's word out of context, try to make it say things that it doesn't say, lie about what it does say, uh, and, and are leading people astray. You know, the, the best tool for determining whether someone is a false teacher or not is scripture. And one of the best passages is in Matthew 7, where it says, look at their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. What kind of, one of the things that you can really tell with a false teacher is to look at their, their followers, the fruit of their ministry. Um, look at these people. Are they, that follow these false teachers so closely, are they growing in holiness? Are they growing in their knowledge of God's word? Or are they biblically illiterate? Are they, you know, are they like some of the followers of some false teachers who contact me and are just as ugly as they can be? I mean, I've had followers of false teachers contact me and uh, tell me I'm what's wrong with Christianity, mm-hmm. swear at me, um, tell me, you know, just say all kinds of ugly things to me. Um, I don't see that in the fruit of the spirit anywhere, you know. Yes. Uh, so you look at the fruit of their ministry And is it just worldly and unbiblical, the the people who are following them? um, Are they, you know, sacrificing more? Are they suffering well? Are they serving their churches better? Are they growing their knowledge of God's word? And so that's one of the things that you can look at is you look at their fruit. That's what scripture instructs us to do. And then you compare their teaching with God's word. Is what they're teaching lining up with correctly handled scripture? Um, And so that's, those are kind of the marks of a false teacher. So now that we've listened to quite a few clips today and we've heard the side where women are standing in these positions of pastors or apostles or having a leadership role in a church over men and women, and then we've heard a few clips from people expressing concerns about what is going on, I wanted to conclude with a few thoughts for you to 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 consider for this throughout this as as you've considered some other things throughout this episode today. The trap in today's culture is to yield to what culture or what the world says. But the world's standard and those who would thumb their nose at the word of God are essentially rebelling against God and telling women to do the same. And it's no coincidence either that the enemy would love nothing more than to destroy what God had intended for women to do from the very beginning when he created us as women. I want you to to really think about that. Think about what you're seeing, not only in the American culture. I know that there are other people that listen to this podcast that that don't even live in the United States. I want you to consider in your own culture or your own society how women are viewed. And and listen, there are things in history that women were viewed horribly. They were viewed as property. They weren't even viewed as as human or having their own uh, means to to do anything or to to have any sort of... um, of existence, so to speak. But what we're talking about is what scripture has to say. And scripture shows that women are held at a high value. When you look at, at God's people, women are held at a high value. And it seems rather belittling 
when women want to obey scripture, want to obey God's word to say, well, there's so much more than that. There's so much more to than being a wife and, and being a mother. But actually, that's what God has designed us to do is to be a mother and to be and to be wives and mothers to to glorify him in those roles. That is not a diminishing and that's not a demotion. That's actually fulfilling what God has designed us to do. If God sovereignly chooses that we get to be mothers, whether naturally or we get to um, to more or less parent other people that are younger than us and we get to disciple them in ways and almost be like a mother figure to them in, in their lives, that's a beautiful thing we get to do. And when the world or whoever, even people in the church are telling you, well, you know, we're not going to listen to that. And, you know, this is just diminishing and it's demoting and it's um, and it's male chauvinist and it's man's doctrine to teach such things and to promote such things. But they're not willing to receive correction like what Michelle Leslie was talking about and to really evaluate themselves and to see, am I in rebellion against God? Am I doing things in my own way? And is the voice that I'm hearing in my head, is that my voice or is that truly God's voice? And why would God tell me to do something that completely contradicts what his word has already spoken and it are, and it contradicts his order that he has placed? And why can I not be fulfilled and satisfied in serving my husband, if I have children, serving my children, raising them and teaching them um, about the ways of God, serving in the local church, serving in areas, maybe the the homeless and, and other people that need assistance, serving in ways where I am glorifying God in all I do in my conduct, and that I am a, um, a, a woman of the word, that I'm studying the word of God. The beautiful role that God has given us as women, wives and mothers is being assaulted by lies and the temptation to know better. But God's order is better. And what his word has to say, it supersedes feelings, opinions, and even the still small voice that we have made possibly in our own imagination or we've um, attributed our own words or our own thoughts to God. God forbid that we've done that, and I know that I've done that in the past, and I've had to repent of those things. But these are fair questions for you and I to ask ourselves. And listen, I've asked myself these questions. I asked them a long time ago, and I finally worked up the nerve to watch some of these videos or listen to the things or read some of this information and to weigh what was being said. And so I would encourage you, don't put yourself in an echo chamber where you're just hearing um, the same thing over and over again, but you're not willing to go to Scripture and to look at it for yourself. And again, you're not trying to get Scripture to say what you want it to mean. And I, and I think that that's, that's a big temptation that we have to get past and work past is that we're always trying to find the verses that match what, what our doctrine is and what our understanding is. But we are to go to Scripture and see what it says and take it at face value and do the study and do the due diligence and to make sure that we have a proper understanding so that way we are not blown around by every wind of doctrine that would come to and fro. And listen... I, I'm just going to be very frank with you. A few months after we left the church that we were in, I was up on a stage in another church. And I, this was before I even looked at, like looked into it and was convicted and repented and thought, I'll never do this again because I'm rebelling against God. That's the conviction I came under when I began to look at scripture about this matter. When I finally tackled it and finally worked up the nerve to do it and realized if I want to take God's word seriously and I love him, I need to look and, and to say that I am, a, am his child, his daughter, then I need to look at the word of God. I need to look at what it says and I need to be honest about it, uh, to be honest. And, and if I've rebelled against him to repent and to turn from these ways. It was a few months after we left the church that we were in that I was up on a platform and I had been asked to minister. And I ministered twice at that particular church and preached on Sunday mornings. And I had, and it makes me cringe to think about it now because I think I was in, I was in rebellion. I'm standing up there, and maybe some of the things that I'd said were biblically sound, but the fact that I was standing on a stage on a Sunday morning to a congregation with men and women and exercising authority and speaking in the, in the way that I was was not in accordance with Scripture. It does not match scripture. And I had to be honest about that. 
And so I know that this is going to be a difficult episode. It's certainly not going to garner me any uh, popularity. I know that, but I'm not looking for popularity. I'm looking to glorify Christ and I'm looking to be a woman of the word and to glorify him and to exalt him in all that I do and to be a faithful servant to those around me. And to also be humble enough to say when I don't know the answers or that I've been wrong. And some may be asking this, one final thing. Uh, Well, you're doing this on a podcast. Um, You're you're writing blogs. I've I've had people, men and women, get very angry with me. And some just ask genuine questions. But I've had some people scold me and get angry with me and say, you're rebelling against God by even doing a podcast, even writing, having a YouTube video. This is open rebellion against God's word. And over and over again, when I've listened to some of these women like Michelle Leslie, Susan Heck, women that are highly respected in these areas, they say, no, that's actually, this is not the congregate. This is not the gathering of the church. This is a public platform. And this is not the gathering of the church. There's no Lord's Supper being conducted here. There's no offering being taken up here. This is not the, I'm not having any authority over men. My podcast and my blog are mainly towards women, but I know that men listen and that they read my blog and some of them are encouraged by it or they share it with their wives. And and they are also in, encouraging me to continue to do the things I'm doing and to share things in truth and to point back to scripture. But this is not within the confines of having authority over men, and it's not in the confines of a corporate church gathering. So I hope that that brings clarity to that. Also, I'm going to share a link when I share my blog post on this, and I'll share it in the link below. There is a really good sermon on this from Mission Bible Church that I checked out recently, and it talks about this very subject in 1 Timothy 2. So I highly encourage you to listen to that. Until next time, y'all, be blessed today by the truth of God's Word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.